Sports Radio. I'll tell you what, I can even be more specific than that. Live from the fountains of the Bellagio, I am Jim Rome. We're on the Strip in Vegas, Alvin, if you don't mind back home. Can I get that deck of yeah? I know it's not Friday. It's Tuesday, but I need that deck of yeah. What's cracking? Welcome to the program with Wednesday's breakfast, two for $3 biggie bundles. You can choose the pair you want. Limited time only during breakfast hours. U.S. price and participation may vary. Not valid in a combo single item at regular price. What's cracking? All right, in case you missed it yesterday, we were broadcasting live all week long, not from Radio Row, but we are on the strip right outside the Bellagio, and we are getting ready for Super Bowl 58. If you were watching on CBS Sports Network, you can see that. This is one of the all-time. Oh, yeah, is that thunder? It is raining. It is raining. The elements are here, but we are covered up, and I've got a full slate of guests starting at the very top. Clones, really quickly, if you want to jump in, you can. Telephone number is toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. As always, you can hit me up on the X. Speaking of the X, I have an announcement to make a little bit later on regarding the X. Follow me on the X at Jim Rome, and you can also email me at rome at habitake.com. All right, in terms of the guest today, we got a big day. Coming up in 20 minutes, I've got Sam Monson, Robbie Gold, Mike Jones, Michael Brockers, Will Brinson, the pro football doc a little bit later on, Andrew Whitworth, Big Wit, will be here on the studio right outside the Bellagio with me, our friend Jeffrey Chidiha, but joining me in segment number one to break down the game and some other things, that guy, if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, that is Michael Lombardi. He is a former NFL GM. He is a three-time Super Bowl-winning NFL executive. He has held senior positions with the Pats, the 49ers, and the Raiders. He is the co-founder of the Daily Coach Newsletter. He is co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast. And he is co-host of the Lombardi Line on VEASAN weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. He's got a great book. We've talked about it on the program. The The football, or the book is called Football Done Right. It's available right now. Mike, it's a mouthful, man. It's a lot to get out. (laughs) It's good to see you. How are you doing, Mike? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. It's good to have you. So how do you feel about everybody descending upon your town? I don't know if it's my town. I mean, I grew up here. It's my first job. I I was just reminiscing with Jason, the driver who drove me over here. I came to town here, made no money, and there was a Holiday Inn across the street that I got Holiday Inn coupons so I could eat. Burger King and Holiday Inn coupons, that was my salary, and now that's all gone. Well, man, so, and, and look how that turned out. You parlayed <laughs> that into multiple ranks. Would you have come up any other way? Like, how? I mean, we laugh about it right now, but how much of that time is the reason that you and I are having this conversation right now? Oh, I think it's the only way I could have happened. I mean, look, let's face it. If, if I thought about money or if I thought about anything, Springsteen has a great line. He says, I, I didn't want to be happy. I didn't want to be famous. I, I didn't want to be anything but great and I think when you have that mindset you kind of like you don't care about fame fortune and all those things you care about getting in the right situation and you know my first job with the 49ers I didn't make any money either so but you find a way to do it but the knowledge you gain from standing next to the great Bill Walsh or John McKay John McVeigh and all those people, it, it's it's unbelievable. They still live with you today, Jim. It's like being, it's like having your parents. You know, I still hear Walsh's voice. I'm not ever walking by a pitcher that's crooked on the wall without straightening it because that was one of his pet peeves. Michael Lombardi joining us. I was going to say to you, when you tell me that you hear Bill Walsh's voice, what else is Bill Walsh telling you right now? 
He's saying to me, he's going to quote Mark Twain. He's saying this game's going to come down to the unconventional swordsman. The greatest swordsman in the world never fears the second best swordsman. They fear the unconventional one. And I think this game's going to come down to what can San Francisco do unconventionally early in the game to get Andy Reid off this script, to get Andy Reid off the wall script. Because if you go back the last three games, they have scored on the opening drive, whether it's been a field goal, whether it's been a touchdown. They have been dynamic, and they have played from in front. 46 of their 70 points in the playoffs have come in the first half. So this is going to be about what can San Francisco do unconventionally, different. Because if Reid and Mahomes know they're in this front with this coverage, they're going to be 12 for 12 throwing, and they're going to have a 14 nothing lead by the second quarter. We're talking to Michael Lombardi. You know, Michael, watching the Chiefs right now, they're definitely a very different team now than they were during the regular season. My question to you, that switch, how much of that switch was about changing a mindset come postseason time, and how much of that is about Andy Reid revamping his offense on the fly? You know, there's a great line that says, fear does the work of reason. And when you lose to the Raiders at home on Christmas Day, and the opposing quarterback has one completion after the first quarter. And, and you don't really, they don't do anything the entire day except you make all the mistakes. You can reason with the team. And I think what Andy did at that point is why he's a great coach. He dynamically shifted his team. They went from holding the ball, exposing their offensive line, trying to make big plays, to going back to old school Kansas City, really back to Alex Smith, Kansas City, and trying to possess the football. They've had 19 drives of over seven plays or more, right? Pacheco averaged 14 carries in the regular season. He's at 21 in the playoffs. So as much as Andy Reid hates to call runs, and we know he does, he hates losing more. And that day, Christmas Day, he went home and probably had his traducted and said, I can't do this anymore. We're going to change, right? We're going to change how we're playing, and he did, and it's been effective. The strength of their teams is the defense. They've played to that. They've controlled it, and they've been very quick to get the lead. That's why the script in this game is going to be the most important aspect of the game. Michael Lombardi joining me on the set, our first guest on this Tuesday. You know, Michael, it says a lot, like nothing against Alex Smith. I love Alex Smith. I mean, a pro's pro. Right. Alex Smith is not Patrick Mahomes. What's it say about Patrick Mahomes that he accepted that and understands that I'm going to do whatever it takes to win, and I don't need to be that guy. I just need to take care of the ball and put us in the right spots. It shows he's the great teammate. Because, look, Brady wins six Super Bowls in New England. The first Super Bowl he won, they threw for 143 yards. They ran for 142. The last Super Bowl he won, they scored 13 points. Great players figure out how they have to play to win because winning is more important than anything for a great player because Patrick Mahomes is about winning. It's not about how many stats I have. I think if you were to go to ask Warren Moon, who's thrown for 27 miles of passing yards in his career, if you would say, would you give up some of those passing yards for a Super Bowl? He would say absolutely. And I think that's what Mahomes said. Mahomes realized... I can't hold the ball. No one's getting open. We're going to have to change what we do. They kept trying to do it during the season. And finally, I think ultimately on Christmas Day, they said enough is enough. In other words, that butt kicking was the best thing that ever happened to them. Well, And it woke Andy Reid up. And I think they changed. Now, they know their style they have to play. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you're sitting there saying, okay, I got this, right? I know how they're going to play. This is what they're going to do. That's why Steve Wilkes has got to change what he does. Because when Baltimore came out, they went right down the field and scored. They were He was, what, 11 for 11? And then Baltimore got into the game. Remember, they won the last playoff game without scoring in the second half. They didn't score a point. You know, it's remarkable. So if you can get through the first part, they don't really have another gear to go to. right? If this becomes a passing game where Mahomes has to throw it in a drop-back game, 
that front for the 49ers should take over. Right, but so it's you, hard to get to it. I'm sorry to interrupt. Michael Lombardi joining us. I wanted to jump in because you mentioned Steve Wilkes. Looking at that defense, you've got a lot of playmakers, a lot of big-time talent and caliber on that side of the ball. But looking at that defense, it's been leaky. Does that defense make you nervous? It makes me really nervous. I mean, they gave up 4.1 yards per carry in the regular season. They're at 5.6 in the postseason. They gave up 9.3 yards per completion in the regular season. They're over 12 in the postseason. I think what you'll see is they're going to take Chase Young and try to take him out of the game. People are attacking the edges of their defense in the run game. And Young has been running up the field. He kind of just wants to make that pass rush and then have all the announcers talk about, you know, remember when he was the second pick overall in the draft? Well, that hasn't worked out. I, I think they need to get stouter on the edges. And they need to really be able to force to force that defensive front to take over. Look, all the money in San Francisco is in their front. You know, Armstead, $20 million, Hargrave, all those guys make big money. And they haven't showed up. And so, conversely, you say, if you're Kyle Shanahan, you say, well, we haven't played our best game yet. We haven't, we've played, probably played our best games B-minus, and we're in this game. We're in Las Vegas. If we play a better game, we've got a chance to win. I was going to say, have they not played their best game yet, or is this effectively who they are? That's a great question. I, I think they're better than what they've showed. Their tackling has been really poor. Terrible. Right? It's been horrible. And, and, and that's not usually what they've done. And they're tackling... But their front, I, I know this, their front's good. Like Hargrave was a good player. Bosa's a great player. They have two sacks. They didn't harass the quarterback at all. Now, when they finally got Goff to move in that game, when he slid right or left, they, that's what caused the difference in the game. And, you know, Mahomes is good on the move. This is going to be a challenge. Michael Lombardi doing what Michael Lombardi does. What about, and I know you think about these things at great length, you got two beautiful football minds, right? You've got Kyle Shanahan, you've got Andy Reid. I get that they're not lining up against each other, but in this battle of minds, in this game of chess, who do you give the edge to, Andy or Kyle? But you also got to add Spagnola in this too, right? Yes. you got to add Wilkes, and you got to add Mike into it too because there's no better consigliere to have than Mike Shanahan, who belongs in the Hall of Fame, Let me Fame, stop by right the there. Like, how... how how much action is Mike getting in this? How effective is Mike in this? How active is Mike in this whole thing behind well, the scenes? I, I think Mike's the great voice of reason, right? Because he's got his vested interest in it, and he watches the game. Now, I'm not saying he's sitting there until 2 in the morning with the game plan, but he can ask the right questions. What, what we do, people with experience have a way of asking the right questions. Have you thought about this? What would Andy do? Like, I would be, I know Kyle probably because he's really smart, I would be saying, Dad, like, what do you think Andy's going to put on that script? How would you attack me in that script? Like, what would you do after watching these games? Is Mike advising him from Cabo? Well, I think Mike might probably be here now. I mean, why not? <laughs> he better be by, by now. But I think that you, why would you not use that resource? So I think the this, this chess match is between all these coordinators, and Wilkes is involved. And how you set up, it's the strategy of the game. It's what, why we love football so much. It combines an incredible violent sport with great strategy. It's chess with violence. And I think to me, that's what make, that's why we all love it so much. And I think that's strategy. Look, when Ali went to go fight Foreman, he watched all the tapes of Foreman and he said, I can't beat this guy. The only way I can win this fight is if I do this. And he did. That strategy turned into a winning fight. He got him to the seventh round. Styles make fights. There you go. And that's what it's, this is what it's going to come down to. No, Ali knew he couldn't punch with the big fella. But he knew he could win if he did it the right way. So ultimately, what do you think it comes down to? If the line stays where it is right now, KC plus two, how would you play it? I would probably take, I would take the points. You know, I, I, and I worry about Moody's kicking reliably. Now, he was a great kicker in college. You know, I can remember talking 
texting Jim Harbaugh after a win where Moody made a great kick, and he was he loved Moody. I, I, I'm not down on Moody. Just these young rookie kickers seem to have to go through this growing pain. We've seen it before. Look here. We're in Las Vegas. Carlson got cut by the Vikings because he couldn't make a kick, and now he's in the Pro Bowl. It's just kind of a world you got to go through. That's the only thing that gives me concern is can they make, can they make a clutch kick? Mike, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh. How long do you think it's going to take Jim Harbaugh to you know, impact the culture with the Chargers, transform the, cultures in, or the culture into what he wants them to be, the team? Oh, I think it started already. I think it's, it's going to start already. Because when I went to Michigan to speak to his team this summer, you could just feel the connectivity in that team. I came back and I said it on my show. I've said it on the pod. You know, that team was connected. Jim will connect this team. They'll be tougher physically, mentally. And he will – see, most people think Jim is a – uh, a, stra- a tactician because he played quarterback in the league. No, Jim's a strategist. And Jim will build this team with toughness, physical and mental toughness. And I think it's, he's going to make an impact right away. I'm curious, what was your message to that team when you went back there? My message is usually with teams that have that is the Kobe Bryant poster, right? Everybody wants to put Kobe's picture on their wall, right? They have the Kobe Bryant picture. But then when you tell them what Kobe does and what Kobe did, do they really understand who Kobe was? So take the picture off your wall if you don't know who Kobe is. And so to me, if you want to be great, the greatest Lombardi line of all was simply the greatest reward for doing is the opportunity to do more. And, I, and basically all my talks are do more. What you're talking about is the Mamba mentality, the price that he paid. One last thought. On the topic of basketball, you are a big 76ers fan. What was the first thing that went through your mind when the big fella, Joel Embiid, suffered that meniscus injury (laughs) and you found out that he was going to be out for an extended period of time? Uh, You know, to me, it's no no surprise at all. I expected it to happen. Because, you know, he's never in great shape. He's never in great shape. And then once he scored 70 and once he's won the MVP, I I thought he was on the other side. Very unlike Mahomes. I mean, winning that award seemed more important than winning a title. And, look, he's a great player. I've scouted players my entire life. Do you think, Mike, do do you really think that he wanted to win the MVP more than he wanted to win the title? Oh, I think there's no question. You do? I do. I, I, I see it in the way he plays. And, look. I've scouted players for 40 years of my life. I've never seen a talented player as he is on the ground as much as he is. It's scary. He falls down quite a bit, and you just know he's going to get hurt. Part of the NBA, though, right? They're trying to sell calls. LeBron is a physically imposing dude. He's flopping all over the place. Yeah, but look at LeBron's body compared to Embiid's body. Mm -hmm. You know, look at his body. Look at Kobe's body compared to Embiid. Embiid's body hasn't really changed. I mean, it's still the same, and if you watch games as closely as I do, he goes from one three-point line to the other. So you're, you think that's a Joel thing more than a Sixer thing? I do. I think that they've, I think they've bought into it, and he's a great talent. But remember this, it, you know, great, talented teams don't always win. Ask Warren Moon. Mm-hmm. Mike, really appreciate you. We do you on every single show that we possibly can. My podcast, The Daily Show, right here live in Vegas. So it's great to run you down. I really appreciate Thank it. You, Jim. Appreciate the friendship. And it's always good to talk to you, Mike. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Jim. Michael Lombardi has had a great, great football life transitioned into another life of sorts. And you definitely want to make sure you pick up his book. You want to watch his show and listen to his podcast as well. We are broadcasting live. From the Strip, we are outside the fountains of the Bellagio. Thank you very much, Mike. A lot more still to come, including Sam Monson. He will be joining us when we come back. In fact, we are wall-to-wall right now. I did mention I've got an announcement about the X that I want to make a little bit later on. Other guests, if you're just now picking us up, we've got Robbie Gold. We have Mike Jones. We have Michael Brockers. We have Will Brinson, the pro football doc, a little bit later on as well. So, clones, one quick question. 
Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Why don't we start with the fact that it is a family-run business? It's a family business which stands by quality and produces the world's finest beef jerky. Do not be fooled by other brands. All beef jerky is not the same. Make sure you make the right choice. Choose Old Trapper. You can actually see the quality right through their iconic Clearview packages. Every single bite of Old Trapper is tender. It's never tough because they use just the best ingredients. From their lean strips of beef, seasoned with top-quality spices to their real wood-fired smoke, Old Trapper delivers quality in every single bite, and it comes in four mouth-watering flavors. You cannot go wrong. Just pick the one you like best. If you're not sure, start off with one of each. Get a four-ounce bag. If you already know which one you want, get the 18-ounce bag. That way, there's enough for the entire team. If you do not see it, and you will, but if you don't, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back. Normally, this is the spot where I say, live from Radio Row, I'm Jim Rome, except we're not on the road. We busted out. We are on the strip. Sam Monson's going to join me momentarily. Quick note, this year, Dell Technologies wants to help you do amazing things with their best tech for a limited time only. Save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, powered by Intel Core processors and more. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash Deals. You will have access to leading edge technology to match your forward thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Again, that's Dell.com slash deals. All right, we are continuing live from Vegas. We are joined right now by PFF's lead NFL analyst. He is also co-host of the PFF NFL pod. He is a media personality. He is Sam Monson. Sam, what's going on? How's the week treating you so far? It's been good. It's been good. The beautiful uh, sunshine and weather of Vegas, of course. That's what we're all here for. Yeah, yeah. But when did you get here, man? Yesterday was raining <laughs> sideways in our number one. So I'm pretty happy about this right now. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not much better today, though. At least the rain's eased off. All right, so let me ask you this. Before we jump into the game, for those who do not know, those who know, know, but for those who do not know, what exactly is Pro Football Focus, and what was it like in the startup days when you were there as one of the members of the initial core team? Yeah, we're, we're an analytics company, right? But our USP, the, the thing that makes us unique is we are grading every single player on every single play, so we're adding some stuff in there, some context, some, some subjectivity, but it's important subjectivity because it's the kind of thing that can tell you that not every 50-yard pass is a great play by the quarterback sometimes it's a great play by the receiver sometimes it's just bad defense right so the grades add in all these layers of context that when you start adding it together with the analytics and the data and the more uh, black and white objective stuff gets you to something that's completely unique out there all right so in a sense sam who is the product for is it for teams is it for gamblers is it for fans (laughs) or is the answer yes yes exactly it's for everybody i think that's the great thing about it we sell to all 32 teams we sell to every fbs team as well all the the media out there as well as people guys that just want to know how well is their offensive line doing how well is their defense so everybody really all right sam monson joining us let me ask you about patrick mahomes like patrick mahomes is still patrick mahomes and he's still doing patrick mahomes things you know never mind the crazy arm talent and that holy crap did he really just do that kind of thing let's drill down for a minute when you talk about his game right now from the shoulders up how would you describe the level of mistake-free ball that he's playing right now and and it's in the postseason that he takes it to another level it's crazy he's 
already the best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best of all time. It's just a case of how long he goes. But when he hits the postseason for his career, he elevates it to a new level. And where he really changes his game in the playoffs is he stops making mistakes. He's already one of the most mistake-free quarterbacks in the NFL. But in the postseason, this year he doesn't have a single turnover-worthy play. So basically he hasn't put the ball in harm's way at all yet in the playoffs. But also his percentage of negatively graded plays at all. So you just miss a guy, right? A couple yards. It's not dangerous. It's just a bad throw. He cuts down what is already a league-leading figure in those to another level completely. Like four more percentage points come up, comes off that number in the postseason. Playoff Mahomes is a real thing, and regular Mahomes is already, you know, the best quarterback out there. So, in other words, he's not making big mistakes. He's not making small mistakes. If the Chiefs have another dominant defensive performance in them, and Mahomes is taking care of the ball the way he is, what is the Niners' best path for victory? Their only path to victory in that scenario is the receivers letting, the Kansas City receivers letting down Mahomes. You know, he can only put the ball in their hands if they're not going to come up with it. That's how the 49ers can, can triumph. But they're going to need something like that, I think, because that defense is amazing. Mahomes is amazing. The only thing left to go wrong is the other guys. Sam Monson joining us right now. Even they have stepped it up. Do you still have questions about the KC receiving core, or do you trust them at this point? I think you have to have questions just in terms of depth. We know Travis Kelsey's amazing. Playoff Kelsey's a real thing as well. Um, Rasheed Rice, the rookie, has stepped into that role. He's become a, a real viable secondary target. It's what happens if the 49ers are able to come up with a game plan that neutralizes those two guys. And teams have done that before when the Chiefs had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. There were teams that figured out a way of taking both of them away at the same time. It's really hard, but two weeks to game plan, you can do it. And if they have to go to everybody else, that's where I think you start to question whether those receivers can make those plays consistent. All right, Sam, what about Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy playing the way he is right now, is that going to be enough for them to win that chip, or is he going to have to find another level and play even better? I think he needs to get back to the level he was at earlier in the season, during the regular season, where he was genuinely playing fantastically. The playoffs, they haven't been as good. One game was in the rain, so maybe that that was part of it. Um, But last week wasn't great either. I, I think Purdy needs to play a clean, good game for him to keep pace. What concerns you more, his play or the play of the Niner defense at this point? I think his play is probably more concerning. The Niner defense is good, but, you know, Mahomes is Mahomes, and they're not going to make mistakes. So the Chiefs offense will have some success. Purdy needs to have a clean game to keep pace, I think. All right, Sam, as long as I have you here, let's look around the league for a minute. When you look at the quarterback market, where do you think Kirk Cousins is going to end up? Because is that not the first domino? Oh, absolutely. That's the one that's going to set the market for everything. And I think Atlanta still makes the most sense. That is a team ready to be good if they had a quarterback. They've got good skill position players. It's a good offensive line. Zach Robinson, the new offensive coordinator, former PFF Zach Robinson. So we have to talk him up. Um, it's ready. It's just got. It's ready for Kirk Cousins to step in there and be, be did, a good did, quarterback. Did you not try to match his salary? Did you try to talk him <laughs> out of leaving? We did. We did. There's a certain level of difference, though, in the, the, the draw of being an offensive coordinator in the NFL. I think he made the wrong decision, man. Well, I mean, you tell him. <laughs> no, no. I think he's all right. Let me. Okay. How about Russell Wilson? Do you think? I mean, is this out of line? Do you think that he's going to start in 2024? I think he could, yeah. I, there will could, be enough teams. Right? Good. He, well, he we're played, talking about a guy who was a lock for a Hall of Fame like, right. a few minutes ago. No, it is crazy. I mean, the, the, the drop-off in his performance and his standing has been amazing over the last couple of years. But he played pretty well this season. It just clearly wasn't going to be a fit with Sean Payton. And I think they made that decision quite early in the process. And there was nothing Wilson really could have done to win that job back. 
I mean, did this guy's brand, did this guy's play, everything about him was unquestioned. Well, not everything, but in terms of that drop-off, how do you explain that? I mean, there's going to be slippage, there's going to be a drop-off, and then there's going off the mountain altogether and having a rookie call you a sack of potatoes. Like, how do you explain that drop-off? It's crazy. I mean... With all these things, it's a bunch of factors happening at the same time, right? Changing environment. Uh, the league defenses started to change in, at the same time in a way that was going to cause his game problems anyway. You know, his, his game was always run around behind the line of scrimmage, manufacture a deep shot play, and that was what everybody was taking away with these Vic Fangio schemes and two high coverage shells and let's take away explosive plays. So his game was going to need to change anyway, and then you add in shipping to a different team and, and, all the, and Nathaniel Hackett and everything that went wrong there. All of it at the same time was what really drove his playoff a cliff. Sam Monson joining us right now. Sam, I like the way you operate on the X platform where you're interactive and you talk to people. I'm curious what the Steeler fans are saying <laughs> to you because on my, you're laughing already because on this show, I can tell you right now, they're not happy. They're not happy about anything. They're not happy that Mike Tomlin is staying and they're not happy or not leaving and they're not happy that Arthur Smith is coming in. I think Arthur Smith is a really interesting fit. What do you think about that fit and what do you think that means to the team and the offense? I'd love to tell you what Steelers fans think, but unfortunately, I think I finally muted all of Pittsburgh from, from my timeline, so I finally, finally reached that point. Um, yeah, Arthur Smith is a fascinating, because uh, he's not bad, right? It would be easy if he was just a terrible coach with a bad scheme that didn't work, and you could just say, let's move on, go in a different direction. He's not a bad coach. He's a good coach, but he has this crazy sort of fascination with hitting you with the thing you're least expecting, right? You've got four amazing players over here, and so this guy's going to be the one that I'm going to design the offense for, and he's the guy that's going to hit you with the sucker punch. It's like sometimes you're just trying to overthink this too much. Or, look, I love the guy. I love the guy. I don't want to get on the wrong side of angry Arthur. I mean, I love the guy. Is any part of that just trying to show, hey, man, I am smarter than you. I am the smartest guy in the room. Because, by the way, he might be. But is that what that is? I don't know if it's that or if it's just, you know, it's the last thing they'll be expecting. So it'll work the most. Like, yeah, but sometimes it's the last thing they're expecting for a reason. Because you have Bijan and Kyle Pitts and Drake London. That's what they're expecting because they're better. <laughs> Sam Monson joining me for another moment or two. What about Dan Quinn? Clearly not Washington's first choice. Hell, not their second choice. Maybe not even their third or fourth choice. But it doesn't mean it won't work. It could do you think it will? Do you like to hire? Or frankly, did they just settle? A bit of both, really. I think they did settle. I mean, that's clear. It wasn't, like you said, it wasn't their first choice, their second. But he's a good coach. And I think if you look back at his Atlanta team, one of the things that jumps out about that group was look at the coaching staff around him. He had a lot of very, very good coaches. Part of that was he had Kyle Shanahan, right? So you had like the Shanahan tree under him on that side of the ball. But if he's able to do that again and, you know, really build a staff together, that's part of the battle and he had a lot of success in Atlanta before it went wrong. You know, I was talking before you came on the air that I have not met one person or spoken to one person yet this week that's taking the Niners. It's insane. The line's not moving. The line is right there at plus two for KC. What do you make of the matchup? Almost nothing ever lives up to the hype. Do you think this will? And how do you think the game goes on Sunday? It's crazy. The line came out initially, and I was like, did we not just watch this happen <laughs> right. already? It, Why? it started at two and a half, right? Right. And then it moved very briefly, and then it's just stayed there. And it's like we just saw what happened when you doubt Patrick Mahomes playoff Mahomes against a, you know, a favorite team. He goes and gets it done anyway, and we've learned nothing. And we're going to do it all over again. I'm with everybody else. I, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes. 
Yeah, I'm with everybody else, too, but isn't that normally a mistake? When everybody goes one way, don't we, aren't we supposed to go the other way? Yes. And doesn't that usually work? Yes. Except sometimes everybody's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? yeah. Right? And this is the time. I'm not buying it. I refuse to believe that Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is going to let us all down. All right, one last thing. What about Mike Vrabel? He didn't get that gig in Washington. How did he not get that gig? In fact, how did he get fired in the first place? I, I think he's, he's now been the victim of this kind of narrative, which is he can't work well with others, right? And I think if you look at where it went wrong in Tennessee, largely it was a personnel problem. And the guy that was responsible for the personnel was previously fired. We'd already made that determination that this was not Vrabel's fault. It was somebody else, the guy, you know, finding the ingredients. And then it just feels like the relationship between him and the owner sort of soured, and now he's being labeled as... Well, he just can't, he can't make it work with anybody. He's not the guy you want running the organization. Yeah, I, I think that is the guy, though, that you want coaching your team. In fact, yes. I know that. Sam, for those who don't know, where do the listeners and viewers find PFF? PFF.com or the PFF NFL podcast, either on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, awesome. Sam, really appreciate it. Great to come together. I appreciate your time and the insight. Love the site and really good to talk to you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was fun. All right, Sam Monson joining me on the set. This is the way it's going to go. We are live in Vegas. Notice I'm not saying we are live on Radio Row. It took me one one day to get that out of my system, but we are right outside the Bellagio Fountains. Maybe you've seen them go off. The rain is starting a little bit, but it's nice. This is the only day we're expecting more of these elements, so it's all good. It looks good. It feels good, and we're having a great time. Take a short time out right now. Let me get you a sports update. It is the bottom of the hour. Here's the very latest on this Tuesday. Here is... Live from Las Vegas, site of Super Bowl 58, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, yeah, check that out. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, there is the stadium. That's where it's going to go down this coming weekend. Beautiful facility. All right, that is Vegas. We are not on Radio Row this year. We are right outside the Bellagio Fountains, and we are going wall-to-wall with interviews. So far, so good. Day number two, we've had a couple of great interviews, and we roll on. We are joined right now by an 18-year NFL vet, an all-pro. A Pro Bowl selection, a top tanner in NFL history in made field goals, field goal percentage, and points scored 29 for 29 in the playoffs, most in NFL history without a mess, miss, I should say. He announced his retirement in December. He appears today courtesy of DiGiorno. I'm talking about Robbie Gold. Robbie, clearly, one of us is an L.A. native, and one of us played 11 years in Chicago. What's up, dude? How, How you feeling, you? man? I got to take you on the road with me. That was a pretty good introduction there. Yeah, it was I a good introduction, it. but I'm looking at this, dude. You're like short sleeves, comfortable, yeah, it's all you know, good. Chicago weather. I'm you know? layered up, like, you know. <laughs> Somebody said, Dave, hey, Rome, are you in the Soviet Union or are you in Vegas? All right, let me ask you this. So many athletes, I talk about this all the time, so many athletes get to retire, but they never get to go out on their own terms. Do you feel like you were able to do so? And what has the transition been like for you since you announced your retirement from the game? Yeah, I mean, listen, would I have loved to play a little bit longer? Absolutely. Um, but I thought, you know, the, my wish list of things that I needed to continue to play um, based on family scenarios and, and playing situations for my legacy, uh, it just you know, we got phone calls every week to go play. Um, but the way the league's going, and it's, they're going young and they're going cheap. And um, for me, it was always about and going to. And you're neither, bro. It was always about going to <laughs> contender, right? It was always about going to a place where I felt like um, I, I didn't have to travel back and forth, coast to coast. I could be there for my kids and, you know, um, 
So it just never really happened. And, and for me, I was confident and comfortable uh, making that decision. It was a long decision that, that, that it took me to get to that point in the process. Um, but I'd say that uh, retirement's been uh, awesome. Um, finding a schedule's been difficult just because you're so used to that routine. To explain that, I've never met an athlete who did not say that in some shape or form. I mean, your entire life, you have routine, you have structure, you have schedule, you know exactly where you have to be. I'm not saying you don't have a lot that you want to get done or you're doing, but what happens when you wake up one morning and all of a sudden you don't have to be there or do this? Yeah, it was interesting because I still kept my same schedule because I was trying to keep myself ready for that opportunity. Then I announced retirement. Then it's like, oh, wait, I don't have to work out at a certain time. I don't have to go kick i don't have to do this so i think just trying to find that balance for 22 years you know i've always had a schedule of have to go to a class in college here's the lift here's the practice time same thing with the nfl grind um and that was a 12-month commitment so you know just trying to find that balance uh you know i drop my kids off every morning to school um, What's that like, man? It's awesome. You know, uh, my kids go to two different schools, so I get to spend time with my two older boys uh, when I drop them off, and then I get to take my youngest to his school, and we usually jam out to some music and get to spend some time talking about, you know, a little bit of everything. And, you know, there's times when my, I would drive to school, and my kids would ask, hey, Dad, does your legs still work kind of thing? <laughs> your legs and, still work. And, and, you know, I think, like, it's because I wasn't playing. They were used to seeing that. They didn't know any better. Um so, you know, it's been great to be able to spend that time and, you know, looking forward to, you know, broadcasting opportunities and coaching my kids. Robbie Gold joining us. Tell me I'm wrong, but I would imagine on some of those drives to school, you get more out of your kids in certain five or seven minute blocks than you could have in five months, right, at work. 100%. Like, it's amazing, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, and here's the thing. Kids don't lie. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> there's well, no they filter. Do, but <laughs> you know? some do. Yeah, there's no filter, though. Like, they say what's on their mind. And I think what's really cool is, you know, when you pick them up, you know how they're – like. You know, there's times in a kid's life where you know exactly where you can spend the most time to get Sorry to interrupt. How old are your kids? Uh, 10, 6, and 8. And, okay. you know, the first question I ask them when they get out of uh, school is, how was your day? What was your best part? What was, you know, your least favorite part? So, you know, that's, to me, the most time where you can spend to kind of change their life. And then um, we come home and we start doing homework. And I'll tell you what, doing math homework with trying to solve the problem and actually writing a paragraph on how you did it, is way different than when we grew up. No, there's no doubt about that. I can remember what it was like when I tried to do it myself. I wasn't going to take any shot at trying to do theirs or help them with theirs. Robbie Gold joining me. Robbie, I don't want to lose track of this fact. Like We're talking about what it was like when your career ended, but your career was so incredible when you consider where you started. When you graduated high school, what were you like as a football player, and what kind of a future did you expect for yourself in football? Well, I was 150 pounds soaking wet. Uh, I walked on to Penn State. Uh, you know, I was undrafted in the NFL. Everything I've ever done in my career was all, always about hard work and earning it. Um, and I knew that I, I'm a competitor. I played a bunch of sports um, growing up, and I knew that if I would just go and work hard enough and compete, I'm mentally tough enough that I could beat anybody. Uh, and I think the big thing for me is I, I had an o- awesome opportunity to go learn from Adam Vinatieri, who's one of the best kickers of all time in New England. And Bill Belichick, situational football, Brad Seeley, uh, special teams coach. If I wasn't there, I don't know that the trajectory of my career, because I went from a three- How long were you there? I was there for five months, four months. And, you know, I went from a three-step kicker to a two-step kicker. Had I never made that change, I don't think my career would have been what it was. So, in short, your five months with the Patriots 
changed the entire trajectory of your entire career. Of my entire career. Right, so what about Vinny? Okay, I'm sorry. Go and ahead. we were undrafted, right? So we, we, it would have been Detroit, Pittsburgh, or New England. And ultimately, I went to New England because I felt, one, I would learn the most. But, two, they just won a Super Bowl. So if teams are looking to take somebody off a roster, that's the roster they're going to look to take off of. So you go to a team with Adam Vinatieri, who was the best in the game, one of the best to ever do it. I mean, this guy did not have to help you. Did he? Uh, and, what, he was, and what's that say about him he, if he did? He was awesome. You know, I had Josh Miller and Lonnie Paxton there, too. I had three really good vets. Other than them having me make uh, chocolate chip cookies for them during training <laughs> camp at the uh, Hilton Garden Inn every night, uh, the experience that I learned from them was pretty amazing. Robbie Gold joining us. You mentioned one of the separations or separators you had was your mental toughness. How did you go about developing mental toughness? Well, I think a lot of it comes to preparation. You know, you look at the week. I knew exactly what the returner would do from if I set the tee on a certain hash uh, how he was going to you know, shade a certain side of the field so I could get away because I wasn't the strongest guy. I could kick the ball on the right hash to the left side of the field and gain hang time and distance. And um, you know, Personnel-wise, you knew what the situations were for plus 50 kicks. Uh, field goal block, you knew who their uh, established rusher off the edge was. So if he was really good, you could move uh, a half of the hash uh, to give yourself more room and you know, you went through every situation you could so that Sundays would be a lot easier. All right, so when you left the Patriots, you were there five months. You go to Baltimore, and that was at a time when Deion Sanders and Ed Reed were hosting weekly rookie dinners. Yep. What were those meals like? Well, it was really cool when I got there. Uh, those two guys came up and were like, hey, we're going to take the rookies to this soul food restaurant in Baltimore. And they would just talk to you about life, how it was to make it in the NFL, what the grind was, how this was important or that was important. Um, and Dion was really a guy that, and Ed too, uh, was a guy that I kind of like shaped some of the things that we would talk about there. I was only there for a month, uh, but those meetings and those gatherings were awesome because we ended up taking those to Chicago and taking them to other places I was at just to have guys get together. Robert, let me ask you about Chicago before I ask you about what you're here to talk about. You took a three-week contract. You turned that into an 11-season run in Chicago. Kicking is tough enough no matter what, but having to do so in Chicago for the Bears in those elements is something totally different. What was that like? Well, here's what I'll tell you. My entire career, when I thought I went to San Francisco, I was like, oh, it's going to be beautiful, not much wind. <laughs> it actually turned out to be the hardest place I kicked, and I think uh, the interesting. Nice the nice part about being in Chicago is, you know, it wasn't like the field was always great. It wasn't like the conditions were always perfect. And it, and it really shaped my career to understand that if you want to kick in the NFL, you have to be consistent and you have to learn how to kick in those elements. So you go play in Green Bay as a San Francisco 49er in the playoffs and it's zero degrees. I'm like, this is that's what I used to do, right? It wasn't something where you played in 60-degree weathers in college or in a dome and the next thing you know, you're like, what is this, you know? So... Um, you know, Chicago has always been a place where, I, you know, I've had a lot of people help me shape my career, um, learn a lot about who I was as a player and as a person, and uh, I'll always be thankful for that opportunity. Um, just wish we would have finished uh, winning the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning and the Colts huh. uh, there. And same thing for uh, San Francisco against the Chiefs. At least they get a chance to maybe redeem themselves. Robbie Gold joining us. So you're working with DiGiorno this week. What's it all about? What are you doing with those folks? Yeah, it's pretty cool. For the second straight year, uh, DiGiorno Pizza, they are, uh, and this is a bad word in Chicago, obviously, um, but if the... Uh, ball doinks off an upright or the crossbar <laughs> i know terrible I word you, in chicago i, I see you um, they're gonna give uh, everyone a chance if they register at uh doinks.com uh, to win free pizza so 
as a kicker, I'm hoping that it doinks and goes in. <laughs> it's tremendous. You know, before you go, I've talked to kickers over the years. I'm always fascinated by the mentality. How would you describe your mindset? I mean, we've touched on this, but your general mindset over the course of your entire career, what was it? Well, I think it was always about, you know, worrying about being in the moment. Make that one kick at a time. And if I missed, I was usually pretty beat up about it because I know that, you know, in the National Football League, that one kick, you know, whether it's in a playoff game or regular season or for this betting spreads in the fantasy football that you see now, um, it, it's it's such a big deal to winning and losing that I think um, you know you'd have to start a new streak and you'd try to take that streak for as long as you could. Sometimes you'd kick thirty in a row. Sometimes you might kick one in a row. Uh, but the reality was it was always about living in the moment. What are the chances that Sunday comes down to a kick? Uh, I think this game could be one of the best Super Bowls in the history of the NFL. Uh, if you look at these two teams, uh, they're built pretty similarly with a lot of talent at the skilled position. Defensive line, they're both really solid. Um, I think it could be a special teams play, whether it be a kick or a punt return like you saw against Philly last year, uh, that really tips the scale in the favor of one team or the other. Who do you like? <laughs> uh, this is a tough question because I know the Kansas City Chiefs have never beaten, or sorry, the 49ers have never uh, beaten the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid under Kyle Shanahan's tenure. Um, I do think that the 49ers are built this this year differently on defense um, through the defensive line. They acquired a couple guys uh, throughout the season to give them more depth there. I'm going to take uh, you know I'm going to take the uh, 49ers uh, because they're I know what they're built for. I think this is their moment. Um, but it's hard to go against Mahomes and the Chiefs and what they've been able to do against. You know, you're the, you're the first person I think I've asked that question of maybe a half a dozen people on air. You're the first one to pick the 49ers, which is shocking to me because the number is still 49ers minus two. I don't know what that is. I, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Right? How do you bet against the guy? You know, he's, he's we do and we keep losing. <laughs> yeah, as I say, you just, you just every time people think. If you look at how their season went, they, they didn't really have a rhythm in the beginning of the season. Now they're starting to play with I consider Chiefs football. Uh, their defensive line is doing an amazing job of creating pressure. Uh, I just think it's really hard to bet against Mahomes, but I think this is going to be an epic game. I was going to say, most of all, let's hope for an epic game, and I think we're going to get that. Robbie, it's great to get caught up. I really appreciate you. Appreciate having a chance to talk to you. Good luck with everything, and I appreciate that conversation. Thanks for having us. Great appreciate having it. you. All right, Robbie Gold joining us on the program. That is our number one. We are once again live from the Strip. We are outside the fountains of the Bellagio. We are going to be here the entire week. We are not on Radio Row. Also, I mentioned, I teased this now, number one. I'm looking for the right spot for it, but I do have an announcement about the X platform and what's going to happen to this show. I've teased it, but I haven't told you exactly what's going to happen. When I get a moment, I will get into that a little bit more deeply. In the meantime, we've got plenty more to get to coming up next hour as well. More interviews, clones as an example. This guy's like, hey, Rome, day one with, or day one was Bob Goulet with your jacket today, Rome. You were channeling your inner Rocky Balboa training for Drago in the old Soviet Union. Are you in Vegas or Siberia? Love the set. Hope you get some sunshine soon. R.I.P. Carl Weathers, legend. <laughs> Jimmy K in Illinois. Yo, bro, it's cold, all right? <laughs> Again, I'm an L.A. native. Hour number two coming up next. We are live in Vegas.